0: very honored to be here Um, so Ryan already prayed so we'll just dive in because I got 10 minutes so this is long and for any preacher 10 minutes is just the introduction so we're gonna get going all right so I'm gonna get right up here with you guys all right so I'm in the book of Ecclesiastes and for the next just for this month I'm just in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 so how about that? Right? We're just going to park there in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Now I saw that many of you rose, raised your hands when we talked about Ecclesiastes and who wrote it? Solomon, right? Son of David, Solomon. You know his story, asked for wisdom and God gave it to him. God's like, "Hey, what do you want? I'll give you anything." And Solomon says, "I want wisdom." And God gave him an amazing amount of wisdom to, to, to just discern and do things that was unheard of and never repeated again in history. But here's the interesting thing. If you read this book, you feel like something is not connecting. I mean, the, he kicks off by saying everything is meaningless, and you're wondering: Is someone counseling this guy? Does this guy have a counselor? This like does this guy need a hug? What is up with this man who has everything? Right? It's it's not like he lacks anything. Bible says he was the richest guy in the world. He had peace, with the nation. He had all these alliances, and he had 700 wives. I mean, well that. <laughs> I don't know if that's peaceful by any, by any means, no matter how much money you have. Um, but I want to I I read something he says. So if you guys want to go to uh, – if everybody has the, your Bible and you could open up in your Bible app. Um, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says this in verse chapter 8. He writes this. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are um, we are not content. And I actually added this line. It says here, I just wrote this. It says, no matter how much we acquire, still it's not enough. Here's this guy who had everything, but it, he pursued it the wrong way. And so a core idea is something that I want you guys to be thinking about throughout the week and it's this is what you pursue consumes you what you pursue consumes you and for solomon he must have gotten bored because he probably, he pursued everything he could pursue and yet it didn't satisfy and i look and i was thinking about what can i mention what can i say to you guys it's literally like this ice chip You know, this ice chip for Solomon was, okay, I got all the wisdom in the world, what am I going to do? You know what, let me consume pleasure. Obviously, like he said, 700 wives was just the starting, right? Then he had his concubines and he had, who knows? He was king, he could do whatever he wanted. But eventually, as you know, like I'm doing right now, I'm holding this ice cube in my hand, but eventually it melts. And then after that, pleasure didn't satisfy anymore. I mean he pursued – I mean this guy was the wisest guy in the world. He could figure out – he was like Mel Gibson in that one movie where he learned what women could think. You know, He could hear their thoughts. You guys remember that movie from Mel Gibson when he got struck? He like fell in his tub, got electrocuted, and suddenly he had the thoughts, the, the ability to hear what women think? Like this was – Solomon. he was that wise. And yet like this ice cube just melted away. So what else did he pursue? Well, let's see. After this one melts, he, pers- he picked up something else. You know what? What if I pursue building, construction, creating my palace? You know, that that's going to be challenging, right? But the for the wisest man in the world, was it really a challenge? Was it? Actually, it caused a lot of stress because if you know the story of Rehoboam, his son, the biggest issue with his son was that he, that Solomon stressed out all the people. Put a ton of labor on them. So yeah, he probably figured out how to cut costs. He figured out, you know what, how to build and do all this. And he pursued this and pursued this. But like ice, the ice in my hand, it melts. It doesn't satisfy. It leaves your hand empty. Well, what else? Let's see. Oh, man, you know what? He probably pursued money. How can I make more money? You know what, if I pursue all my alliances... Let me talk to the people of Egypt. Let me talk to this nation. Talk to this nation. Let me make some deals here and there. He he probably had a bank account that made you know the richest man in the world now look silly. But eventually, how long did that take for him? You think for the wisest man in the world to acquire that much wealth? How long do you think it created them to think of the business strategies of like I got to meet with this person and I got to figure out what they want, you know? He read all the books. You know, he's like, yeah, I pretty much wrote good to great. Anything Jim Collins wrote, right, I wrote. <laughs> um, what other business book? Oh, John Maxwell? Yeah, I got that down. You know, uh, I, it, what, what any business book, he, he figured it out. Right? So he, money, once he had it all, I mean, he was like, now what do I do with it? And like the ice cube in my hand just melts away. So the irony is this guy pursued things that you think would consume his happiness. He said the deepest wisdom, and yet it left them empty-handed every single time. What you pursue consumes you, and it eventually leaves you stressed out. And as Christians, I mean, come on, let's be real, guys. Eventually, sometimes we pursue things that we, we... we're, we, we're trying our best to follow Jesus, but aren't there those seasons in our lives where we pursue other things that consume us and we hold it tightly like that ice cube? And we hold it, we hold it, we hold it, and it's for a season, whatever, however long that season is. But then once you get it, you get there, you spend time there, then you open your hand and you realize, my hand's just wet but empty. Then you're like Solomon... You fall into this place, you know. The greater the the greater my wisdom, because you probably, you know, for that season of whatever we pursued, we studied it, whether it was career. Whether it was, you know, I got to build this addition to the house, I got to get this new vacation, you know, I got to restructure my finances so I could have a better retirement plan. And you do all of that. How do I get my kid to college? And you seek all the wisdom. So you sit down with David Hill. David, how do I? You're seeking wisdom. You open up all the books. You, 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 you pray and you seek God and you seek wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. But you're really what you're pursuing is this one object of can I get my kid there? Can I get my wife here? Can I do this? Can I do this? Can I get myself to this career? And then you get there and then. Like the ice just it's just empty and you're left like Solomon, the greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. How could someone say that, right? How could he say that? The greater my wisdom, I will get, I will pursue, pursue, and yet I experience a greater intense of grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. And that sorrow actually means sorrow of mental and spiritual pain. And there's seasons in our lives where we've all experienced that. Some of you could be there now where you're pursuing something and you know where it leads. It's exciting for the moment because you feel wise, you feel like you're gaining knowledge, but you know like that ice cube, it's going to melt away and leave you empty. But Paul figures something out. See, the Apostle Paul, we know, and if you read Philippians 3, go to Philippians 3 real quick, gentlemen. And you know that that's the section where Paul kind of talks about his pedigree talks about what he has done, what he has acquired, the things he's done in life, which is pretty special. But then he says this in Philippians 3, 7 through 11. I once thought these things were valuable. You know, the wisdom of being the best Pharisee, the wisdom of pursuing Christians, the wisdom of being the top guy. He studied at the best schools. He went to the best programs. He had the best mentors. I mean, Paul had wisdom. Paul had that ice cube and he held on to it. Until he met Christ. Until he met Christ and everything changed. So here's what he says. But now I consider them all worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with an infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I love that word knowing. It's more than just know, you know, like I'm reading the Bible, like I have these notes. No, it's like this is a pursuit, a know, an intimacy with God, an intimacy with Jesus. Of constantly allowing Jesus to consume him. For his sake I have disregarded discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage. And some of you know that real translation for garbage means dung. It's crap. It's nothing. So that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law rather i become righteous through faith in christ for god's way of making us right with himself depends on faith i want to i want to know christ and experience and i would if you guys have a chance circle that phrase i want to know christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead that whole phrase is i want to pursue allow that allow christ to pursue the pursuit of Christ to consume me. I want to suffer with Him, sharing in His death, so that one way or another, I'll experience the resurrection from the dead. All of us have had seasons in our life where we know the difference. We all remember that hot pursuit for Christ. Man, it changed everything. All of us had a season, and I can make this the best analogy I can get, where we had that hot pursuit for a woman that we love. Some of you, it's your wife now, and I love hearing these stories of, of people that have been married for over 30 years. Man, that hot pursuit for that woman, it, didn't it change you? Didn't it change you? You restructured your days of work. Some of you even became Christians because of your wife. Like, everything changed for you on that pursuit of wanting to know her. And with Christ, He never leaves us empty-handed. Paul discovered something. You know what? I've tried to pursue all these things. And can you be consumed by it? But Paul probably had, the, had, you know, not probably, he did have the knowledge of Ecclesiastics, and he knew Christ never leaves me empty-handed. Christ always leaves me satisfied. Christ always leaves me energized. Christ is not going to pull a bait and switch on me. Christ is going to leave me exactly where he wants me, full of energy, full of life, because that's what he promises in John 10.10. 10. So, I want to conclude with this phrase just the pursuit of Christ. I lost Christ to consume me with his life. And Paul, I mean, in Solomon, the greatest man we know, the most powerful man we know, yet pursued the wrong things and felt and was left really with nothing, had a, didn't end well. But here, Christ is promising all of us we pursue him, he consumes us, we end well. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you love us. May our lives not... May the pursuit of our lives always have you centered in them. At the end of the day, whatever melts in our hand it's because you want it to melt because you said, hey, I want to remind you that when you pursue me, I'll never melt. I'll never go away. I'll never leave you high and dry. I won't leave your soul wanting more in a way of sorrow and grief. That the pursuit of me is constant new discovery, constant new ways of seeing who I am in the career, in the in the family, in everything. When I'm pursued, there is novelty, there is freshness, there is life. So God, encourage us as men to constantly pursue you, to put down the ice cube that melts away, and to continually hold on to you and what you have in store for us. Amen.